like. Ooh, la, la. I'm being broken like. Ooh, la, la. And now my heart is like. Tea Time with Bunky. Um, we have a special guest today, and it's like a very serious topic. Um, life after breast cancer. My special guest is Miss Nigel Gamble Whaler. Probably saying the name wrong. She, she'll correct me when we come on. But I asked a little while ago if um, there was any topics that anybody wanted to see, talk about. And life, with, life after breast cancer came up. Um, I'm finding that there are a lot of women out there that have been diagnosed, young women have been diagnosed, are dealing with early stages of being diagnosed um, with this, this deadly disease. So at no further time, I would like to bring on Nyjah. You guys, I have this new toy that I'm playing with, so be patient with me. Um, so here's Nyjah, everybody. Hey, Nigel. Hi. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you so much for being a part of this um, special, this very special Tea Time with Bunky. Um, it's very serious. You're very special to me. Thank you. So who else to have this conversation who, besides someone who's gone through it on different levels, right? Yes. So I would like you to introduce yourself to the people, tell the people a little bit about you. Oh, hey, um, I'm Naja Gamble-Wheeler. I'm 43 years old, born and raised in upstate New York in Woodridge, New York. Um, so Bunky is like family, Kanitha is like family. Um, I have five siblings. One of my siblings um, have passed has passed away. Um, I'm a mother and a wife. I have a 23 year old son. And I have an 11 year old daughter and I have a wonderful granddaughter who is three years old. And um, I also work uh, in Washington, D.C. I work at a law firm, international law firm, global law firm, uh, and I manage an office of 300. Okay. Now, before we get into you, okay. let's tell the people, because you, you have a let's talk about that, that gene. I believe it's that gene. I mean, if you feel comfortable, let's go into the earlier story with your mom. Okay. Now, those that don't know, I knew her mom. I knew her mom. Yeah. Wonderful woman. Beautiful on the inside and the outside. So let's talk about Yogi a little bit. Um, for everyone who, who knew my mom, she was absolutely amazing. Um, my mom, um, unfortunately, was uh, diagnosed with breast cancer when I was um, very young, uh, I would say about 15. Um, her breast cancer was uh, mesthetic breast cancer, uh, stage four when they found it. And um, unfortunately, uh, she passed away when, we, when I was 16. Now, when you, 
were diagnosed? Like, was there self, was there the self exams? Like, the people need to know the importance. The women out there need to know. And men too, because men can get it also. Men yes. can get it also. The importance of self examining, examining in, in those different steps. Yeah. So because of my um, history, my family history with my mom, um, my doctors were very cautious uh, because of the increased, um, you know, possibility of me getting breast cancer with the family history. You have a higher increase when um, your parent has had breast cancer. So around like 31, 32, I began, you know, giving myself self exams and I always felt like I felt something every time. And so I would always, you know, make sure I go to the doctor and get, you know, my mammograms. And I've had, you know, several mammograms from age 32 until, you know, 39. And, you know, most of them, all of them have come back, you know, just fine. So I started very early, you know, the age recommendation is 40 for women, um, but, you know, women are getting diagnosed earlier and earlier in age with with breast cancer. Now, was yours from was yours caught from a routine exam or was it the self exam? Well, I I, I actually found it in the gym. So I I go I was I was under the schedule where I went to the gym in the evening, work during the day, come home, get everything situated, you know, and I went to the gym in the evenings. So most evenings. And one evening I was actually in the gym, finish my workout, jump in the shower so I could just come home and go straight to bed. Mm-hmm. And I was in the shower at the gym and I was just doing a self exam, you know, it was, you know, maybe a week or so after my menstrual where they say, you know, that's the best time to do a self exam. And I, you know, ran my hands across, you know, my breasts and I found a, a lump. Mm-hmm. So then I felt it again and, and it felt like a lump. And just six months earlier, I just had a breast MRI. So it was bizarre that I felt, you know, a lump. So I, I came home and, you know, Jace, my husband, he was asleep. So I woke him up and I was like, get up. And I took his hand and I ran it across my chest and I asked him if he felt, you know, felt something because I, you know, felt a lump. And he was like, you know, I felt, you know, I feel it. So I, I discovered it myself. Was it painful or was it just like an odd feeling or? It wasn't painful at all. It just felt, you know, like something you you put your hand across and your hand just goes over a hump. It didn't, no pain, no anything. So it felt different than like when your lymph nodes are swollen. Yeah. Yeah. And it felt different to me because before I've, I've felt things before, but they felt, you know, round and perfect and, this just felt like just like a lump. Oh wow! Yeah, so it's a different feeling. It's a different feeling. Yeah, and so when I I went right to the doctor because you know I have to go to the doctor and you know to get a mammogram, and so I did that. That was my next step. Mm-hmm. And when they called you, like before they called you, was there a feeling? Or did you always have that anxiety feeling because of your mom or was it just Um, you or? So I think I I knew once I had the mammogram that day, I I actually put, I put it aside. I I, I got my my order to get the mammogram uh, in November. And I put it aside, Uh, you know, life got a little bit crazy for the month of November in 2017. So I put it aside until like December, you know, just like I knew it was there, but I was just like, I'm just going to wait and deal with that later. Mm -hmm. And so then, you know, finally, I'm like, my best friend was like, did you get that test done? And I'm like, what test? And she's like, your mammogram. And so I was like, truthfully, I'm scared to go. And she was like, you better go. So I went to get the test and... Um, when I had the mammogram, they immediately sent me for an ultrasound same day within the next hour. And they were just really candid. They were like, uh, we got to be honest with you. You know, this doesn't look good. And so, yeah, within an hour, I had an ultra breast ultrasound and they were like, this doesn't look good. This looks suspicious. And they asked me if I would come the next morning for a biopsy. 
And so I went for a biopsy immediately the next day. And um, three days before Christmas in 2017, I received my diagnosis. You were 39, 30, 39. 39. Now, when you found out, okay, how did, how did you handle that? Because, you know, people handle sickness differently. Like some people, when they find out that instantly, go call everybody. And there's yeah. some people that try to hold it in like they're in denial for a minute or they're like okay let me get into fight or flight like what was your do you remember how you felt i felt like adrenaline. i was i felt like i was crippled i mean it was like four o'clock right before the holiday you know christmas was a few days later this is my last day in the office and i was talking to my coworker, and i was like they haven't called me back. You know, they told me two days they haven't called me back. So I was like anxiously waiting for the call. And actually, truthfully, after I left there that day, I, I told Jason, I walked down the street. I was walking down the street and I told him, I was like, I have breast cancer. And he's like, you don't have cancer. And I hadn't received the results, but I knew from what I saw on the screen and what I previously saw in other exams that this looked totally different. So, um, I felt crippled when I got the results. I mean, I felt like I felt like my insides were coming out. I felt, I mean, it's 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 a, it's an unexplainable feeling. Like when you're on the holding the receiver and someone telling you you have breast cancer, and initially, you know, they were like, you "Have it on the left side," and then they told me, "See something on the right side." So I'm like, you know, at that point, I'm just like. I'm going to die. You know, I'm just panicking, you know, I'm panicking. And so I drove home and, you know, I called my husband and called my mother-in-law and I was a mess. I drove all the way home crying and oh, yeah. My heart breaks for you right now, but I look at you because everybody got to hear the rest of the story. You yeah. know, so, but it's like, well, I'm sorry for making you relive that. You know, because your story is going to help people that are going through this early stage journey. Now, after you after you got through that, getting home, mm -hmm. getting home, and you're talking to your husband, and you got two kids. You have two kids, a, a baby. I call her baby because she's she's young, so she's mm -hmm. younger, and and your older son who. How. Did you and your husband have the conversation of when do you tell him? How do you tell him? Yeah. So I told I told Jovan right away because you know he was he was older, a teenager, you know, in college. For Jordan, my first my reaction was I'm not gonna tell her. I was like, I'm gonna hide it. I'm not gonna tell her. I can't tell her that I'm sick, mm -hmm. you know. And so that was my plan. <laughs> my plan was to hide it from her. And then when I went to my first doctor's appointment with my oncologist and we were discussing my treatment plan, she asked, how are you going to tell your children? And so I told her, I told my oldest son, but I planned on hiding it from my daughter. And she was like, how are you going to do that? The one that's was, in the house. Yes. <laughs> she was like, how are you going to, how are you going to explain to her the drastic changes in your appearance? How are you going to explain to her what's wrong? Like, how are you going to explain to her that some days you're going to need to lay down and stay in the bed? Like, how are you going to explain to her? It would be, it would be scarier for her to, to see it and not understand what's going on than, than to explain it to her. That's very true. Yeah. That's true. And how long did it take for them to decide which route to go? Well, 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 wait, back up now. When they saw it in one, then they saw it in two. Was it in one side or was it in both sides? It was so it was on the left side, mm -hmm. but they thought it was on the right side. So once I did the biopsy, they confirmed that I actually did have um, stage one breast cancer, invasive triple negative breast cancer. They sent me um, to get triple negative. Means? So triple negative is basically a type of breast cancer. Breast cancer um, usually it the cancer cells are positive for receptors, uh, estrogen and progesterone is, user, is usually um, seen in, in cancer cells um, or HER2, which is a type of protein that's common for when women, you know, 
is that they're diagnosed with, with, with breast cancer. The cancer cells either have the progesterone, the estrogen, or some amount of HER2. So when it doesn't, when the cancer cells don't have any of that, it's, it's triple negative, meaning the cancer cells are negative for all three of those that are usually common. So the crazy thing is, is, you know, they still don't know how women get triple negative breast cancer, but it's, it's common 10 to 15% of women get uh, triple negative breast cancer. It's very aggressive and it affects a lot of black women under African-American women under the age of 40. I'm looking at the comments and I never do this. Okay. I never do this. You have um, Naitisha. I don't know if you remember Naitisha. Yes. That I didn't want. I didn't want to call her out because I didn't want to put her on the spot. But she said that she's also 39. Okay. And diagnosed with breast cancer, and a friend of mine, Andrea, had it in October. You know, so these are women, and, and I know of some other women that are dealing with it or have dealt with it now. When you were diagnosed, did after you went through that and they told you what types, did they tell you how they were going to go after it? Like, yeah, what was the plan. Like, do they? Do you guys sit down? Because I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. Do you sit down with like a game plan. Like, what, what is it? Like, yes. So you, so most people who have breast cancer get a team of doctors. You have a breast cancer. You have a breast doctor. Um, you have an oncologist who's going to help with the treatment plan. And then of course you'll have a breast surgeon who's gonna help with reconstructive surgery if that's the past. So I had three different doctors. So I pretty much worked with um, doctors from George Washington University Hospital in DC. Mm -hmm. And um, so I was diagnosed, like I said, in December 20, 22nd. And um, I started meeting with my doctors like the second week of January to come up with my plan. Yours was just chemo. Instead. So, yeah, so I, um, they like to treat um, a lot of breast cancer patients. They, they call it like neoadjuvant. So basically they'll do your, instead of doing surgery first, they'll treat you with, they'll treat, start with the, the therapy with the chemo. So I started with my chemo and then I, I did my reconstructive surgery. So I did eight rounds of chemo. So that was 16 weeks of chemo. I went uh, to chemo every other Wednesday for four hours. And then after those eight sessions, um, that lasted from like January 24th till May 2nd. So a couple of months, it seemed like forever. Mm -hmm. um, and then I had my, my surgery in June, which was a double mastectomy. talked about it and you said that they were able to reconstruct after now is yeah. everybody able to get that right away or like no it depends um so if 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 someone elects to do a double mastectomy which is was in my best interest um because i had the, the history. And usually when you're diagnosed, when someone's diagnosed with breast cancer, they also do um, a test, a BRCA test to see if you have the breast cancer gene. Um, and, and my test thankfully came back negative, but my doctor was very convinced that there was a gene that was present that wasn't, that didn't show up because my mom was diagnosed under 40, passed away. I was diagnosed under 40. And so she just knew there was a gene that was there. And so um, that's it. And the normally, because I know I had my first mammal at 40. Yeah. Like that's the normal age or did they change it? Do you know? They haven't changed it. <laughs> I would, it, I, they need to change it, it should change. Like it's not... It's not like I have a friend who is 36 and she, she, she actually, actually she's younger than 36. She, she was first diagnosed at 34 mm -hmm. um, with stage one. And, and now she is two years later. She unfortunately has stage four and she's 36 years old. Two years later? Two years later. Thing could last for years. I mean, like, she started off with one, 
two years ago. Yeah. Why? Is it because of your body um, that some of it's longer or like, like it seems everybody's different, like with, yeah. with any sickness, it seems like. But how how does that? I mean, you're not a doctor, and I'm like, she's probably like, why are you asking me all these crazy questions? But like, I'm curious, like how how does that work? Like, I mean, some women battle breast cancer for years. I mean, years, like six and seven years, you know, it just, it just depends. You know, my doctor said to me that no diagnosis is the same. Like, even though this, you know, I'll have triple negative and someone else will be diagnosed with triple negative. It's not, the, it's not the same. Like everyone's case is not the same. Right. So they look at them, you know, individually, like even after I had my, I had my double mastectomy, I'm like, I'm free. Like I, I'm breast, I'm free. Like I don't have any more cancer. And after my surgery, you know, my mastectomy, I got my implants, you know, I went to the doctor and I'm looking at this test and I'm thinking, I'm good, I'm finished, I'm done. And so my doctor then explains that I have residual disease. So what that is, is that, you know, when you're diagnosed with breast cancer, you have a tumor. Um, and so the, the purpose of the, the treatment, the chemo is to shrink the tumor and almost like you want it to disappear. So which is like considered a complete pathological response. Uh -huh. so, but when it doesn't completely disappear and it's still there, it's considered to be residual disease. So after my mastectomy, you know, and my surgery, I had like a small millimeter um, size tumor. And so because of the size of it, at that point, I wasn't eligible for any clinical, clinical treatment. So if it's, if it's a, if it's of a certain size, like a centimeter, you know, doctors are willing to treat you with more chemotherapy to help totally get rid of it. But if it's a certain size, you're not eligible for clinical trials. So around June, after I finished my surgery, the doctors were like, what are we going to do? Like, they didn't want to put me back on oral chemo. They don't want to give me oral chemo because I'm not sure if you, if you know, or many people know chemo damages the heart. A lot of it damages the heart. Yeah. It can cause damage to the heart. So you're and taking a medication to like with any med, but chemo is so aggressive, but you're taking it to save your life but it could be killing you. I, it, I'm not saying it could kill you, but- No, 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 I'm saying, no, you're not a doctor. I'm not saying you're saying this, but I'm like- It's it's destroying, it's destroying every cell. Like, I mean, depending on the chemo treatment, my first chemo treatment, the four treatments, and then I went to another four um, was this uh, chemo medicine called adriamycin. And they refer to it as the red devil. Like the it's- red devil yeah the red devil like it's red considered devil. it's considered the devil it, it's red it's liquid and they're pumping it in your body for four hours and what it does is it kills every cell in your body good ones cancer cells and the good ones so you know most people who are going through chemo you know they're okay the next day after chemo but then by the you know second day it's hard to even function and you're seeing this, I can't even imagine, a red bag pumping with, but you know, but I saw your pictures. Like that's what made me know that you had it, right? Yeah. But your pictures were inspiring because like all you would show is you in the seat, right? Mm -hmm. And your arm with the IV and there was your husband. Yeah. He was right there. Always. So let's talk about the support system. How does that in the normalcy, like the support system and normalizing. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So let's talk about that. I mean, the support, the support system is huge to the entire journey. You know, like they always say, no one fights alone. That means everyone, everyone who loves you, family, friends, coworkers, they're, they're rooting for you, for me, fighting with me, you know, my spouse, my, my family, mm -hmm. you know, everywhere, everywhere around, you know, um, the support, 
you know, even from colleagues, it's just, it's, it's what keeps you going, you know, it makes you feel like you're not by yourself. So it, it was, it was so helpful. Now your routine, did you keep your routine? Like how, well, you couldn't keep it as it always was because you were fighting with the red devil. Yeah. um, How normal, like, did you go to work? Like, what did you do to like try to normalize it? Is it important to try to stay on that same routine um, and have that? Because that sounds to me like the fight mentality. Yeah. Like, even though everybody's different, chemo affects everybody differently. So, ladies, please don't come at my head because I don't know. But I'm just saying, it would seem like that trying to keep that routine yeah as best you can so so for me it was helpful to keep my routine i worked i didn't i didn't take off of work until i had my surgery so even on my days where i had chemo i went to work Mm -hmm. until 12 and then i walked down to the hospital which was just a couple of blocks from my job Mm -hmm. so i worked and i was adamant about keeping life life because i felt like if i didn't like keep my life that I was going to be consumed by what I was battling. You know what I mean? It's, it's really easy to let storms, you know, our struggles consume us. And then, you know, we forget. I know for myself, like I was just like, when I'm good, when I'm okay, I'm going to live my life. We're going to do what we do. Um, And then when I'm not, I'll sit here and cry and then look for the next day where I can do what I, what I do. Right. You know, I, I can't say even with my pictures and my smiles, it was tough. I cried every single day. I cried all the way to work every day, every single day. I cried. I cried. <laughs> I cried every day, you know, husband you cry? yes, I cried every day. I cried every day. I cried every day when I had to come home and take off that stupid wig. And, you know, I always liken it to, um, I'm sorry, I might have to plug up my laptop. I always liken it to, um, you know, that movie. I don't know if you guys know that movie. I'm going to get you sucker. (laughs) (laughs) You remember that movie? I mean, you just, and that's how I felt. So I would walk in the door, you know, I lost my hair, you know, by my, my third treatment, my hair was gone Mm -hmm. and I have no eyebrows and I have no eyelashes and, and I walk walk in the door. As a a teenager. And I knew your hair was, your hair was your thing. (laughs) Beautiful hair. And, um. Now, when it started falling out, did you allow it to fall out or did you shave it to quicken the process and get it over with? Like, how did so, you? I really love short hair. So, I had short hair during the period. I had short, I was already wearing my hair short. So, I was like, I'm just going to cut it all off and, and prepare for what I'm about to have to go through. And so, I cut it really, really low. Mm-hmm. That didn't help. <laughs> I mean, it didn't help once my hair, once I got in the shower one morning and my hair started coming out, it's, um, it's hard, you know, it, you know, you think of it as it's just hair, but it's, it's almost like I'm really about to go through, through this, you know, I'm about, I'm about to like, you know, it's scary, you know, but I made it and I bought some wigs and, and tried to keep it pushing as much as I could. Mm-hmm. Well, you looked good. You Thank did. you. I mean, through that battle, through the pictures anyway, like the pictures with you and your daughter, like it still hurts to see when I saw the pictures. It hurt because I know, I, well, I don't know what you went through, not at all, but I know you were going through something, something that I couldn't imagine which cancer is that that's a battle that's but i don't think i mean i i you know i don't think anyone can imagine it you know but but you know what funky i'm like a lot of people during that time were like you know scared to talk to me about their life or what they were dealing with and i'm like 
all of our struggles are like your your struggles relative to your storm is relative your journey's relative to you so don't feel like you can't talk to me and i can't be your ear because i'm going through cancer like whatever you're going through is just as important you know it's your your struggle, your mountain right now, you know, whatever it is. So I always was really quick, you know, to tell people, feel free to talk to me. You know, the the, the hardest part was when I would be in the gym because I kept my routine. So I would go to the gym and I would um, like take off my, my stuff and take off my hat and people would look at me and they would like, look away, like, don't look at her. Like, you know, seeing someone with the bald head, Mm -hmm. you know, people look, but they don't, it's almost like, don't look at her. Like, you know, it's a really awkward moment. And so, you know, sometimes it would make me feel awkward. And so I'm very sensitive to, to stuff like that, you know, like, you know, if you see someone who looks a little bit different from you or, you know, say hi. You know, you never know if it's going to make, you know, someone else's day or make someone feel comfortable in their skin. You know, I I, I never knew that. Yeah. I, wow. And the fact that you went to gym sick, I don't even go able-bodied. It went. I was determined. I, I mean, a lot of times it was just like the sauna or the steam room, but I was just like, it was like my peace, my happy place. You know, I was like, I had a lot of anxiety, you know just a lot of anxiety. Now, how long was, how long did you, wait, did you ring the bell? I did ring the bell. I ran, I rang the bell on May 2nd, 2018. You know, what's amazing me. Let me tell you what's amazing me. The fact that everyone I know that was diagnosed with breast cancer or any sort of cancer and finished it, they know their well, not even just finished it. They know their begin date, like their birthday. I need to plug my laptop up. Excuse me, <laughs> I don't want no, it to okay. die. Um, um, yeah, I, re- I remember, and I also remember. Hold on, I also remember when I rang the bell. I didn't want to be obnoxious with it, and I remember. Why? I remember Jason saying to me, "Why do you ring the bell so soft?" Because that's you. You're just. But so- I, thought, I was thinking about other people. That's other people. That was, I would have been like, I'm like, you know, there's still so many people here that have to still finish. And I was like, I'm going to celebrate, but I don't want it to be obnoxious. No, because they could probably be, probably were looking at you and be like, she did it. I can do it. I know. You know what I'm saying? And it does feel long, you know, when you're, when you're going through it, it feels like. This is going to be forever. I thought it was going to be like, I, I used to tell Jason, I was like, this is forever. Like, it just felt so far away, mm-hmm. but it goes by fast. You're just, you're so wonderful. I love you so much. I mean, you're such, a, you really are an inspiration. Thank you. To so many people. I mean, like, I couldn't, I couldn't imagine, but let me ask you the pictures of you at the beach mm-hmm. right, when you went to the beach. Yeah. For real. Was that hard to do? Or was no. it just like, I'm just going to live myself. This is me today. No. I mean, a lot of times, like when I, w- I don't know, like, so I never like went to work with my head, you know, with just showing my hair bald. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I was on vacation, I just felt free. Like, I was like, nobody knows me here. <laughs> I think I was in Mexico or somewhere. And so I just, you know, I just did it. I was like this perfect place to do it. Uh-huh. So I just was chilling. Because you look really happy. Thank you. And like those pictures are priceless. Thank you. I was almost done with chemo. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Now, during all of that, when you were going through that, did your kids treat you any differently? Like, did you see them treating you like you were a fragile breakable or did they still treat you like mom I need this mom I need that and you know like did anything change or? I think they were pretty regular Jace probably was a little bit more overprotective he wouldn't let anyone else go to chemo with me he was like nope I'm going uh-huh. <laughs> um they were just they were regular you know I think 
the hard part was, you know, just I think just because I lost my mom, I was just like so scared that I was going to leave my children. And so that was that was a scary, you know, scary part of it. But they were pretty normal, you know. When I could, I took Jordan to dance. Um, and when I couldn't, you know, her godmom took her. And my my granddaughter, she gave me life during the whole time. Like yes, I was going to say, during this, you had a granddaughter. Yeah. I thank God for her. She's like, she was like the joy in the morning. So she, she gave us life. Like, she mm -hmm. still does to this day. Like, you know, so if it wasn't for her, like, she gave us life. You know, I look forward, even on my weekends where I had treatment, like on Wednesdays and by the weekend, I couldn't really do anything, just chill on the sofa. Right. Um, but her being there, you know, was, you know, was my joy. Like, looking forward to seeing her on the weekends and, mm -hmm. you know, chilling with the family, even though, you know, sometimes I would be a little bit sad that I had to, you know, just stay on the sofa or something like that and rest. Mm -hmm. But we tried to keep it as normal as possible. That's a beautiful I mean, like your family totally surrounded you and um, you felt the support. Yeah. I, can't, I can't imagine someone who doesn't have anybody there to support them. I know. That sounds like a much harder fight. And that's why I feel like um, I support other women now, you know? Mm -hmm. I think it's important, you know, no matter what, you know, people go through cancer, depression, anxiety, and and that's why I think it's important to share your story. You know, so many of us, so many of us, I'm no, I know not on social media, we're not bragging about our life struggles on social right. media, it's but it's always you know, just the good stuff. It's always yeah. the good stuff. And that's one reason why I put it on social media. You right. know, it's not rainbows over here. It's not <laughs> you know? rainbows and unicorns every day. It's yeah. Really yeah. It's life. You know, all of us are dealing with life. My right. father in law would always say, you know, Either you're in a storm, meaning you dealing with some stuff. Mm -hmm. You just got out of a storm, like I just made it through that one. Okay. Or you headed to a storm. You know, that's that's life, you know. Life. I mean, you enjoy the sunshine in between, but right. you you know, you prepare for what you can and and continue to enjoy life. Now, we also talked about the cost. Oh, <sighs> <laughs> Yeah, because that could be why a lot of women have lost the battle. Because yeah. it shows the inequality of people who benefit from good health insurance versus people who don't have good health insurance. Yeah, and they have a cure for breast cancer. Just of course, and it and it angers me. Mm -hmm. Cause I know they do. Right. I know like with all of the research they've done, all the fundraising developed COVID-19 vaccine, let's just say they've been working on it two years, whatever. Right. There is a cure for breast cancer and a lot of cancers. Right. It's a moneymaker. I hate to say this, if any doctors are listening, yeah. it's a moneymaker. I remember one time going to, to chemo and hearing the nurse say, how many patients do we have today? She was like, we have a little bit over 100 patients. So when I got my bill every two weeks or that showed what the insurance paid towards my chemo, um, insurance bills, you know, they the doctors bill the insurance almost $10,000 for chemo. So can you imagine paying $10,000 out your pocket every two weeks for one treatment no. and you have to have eight? No. So as you yeah, know. So that's, that's just terrible. Yeah. That's, it's that's sad. Out of control. It's, 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 out, it's sad. It's out of control. And, and surgery alone, my surgery alone was over $100,000. It's expensive. So many people, you know, to get sick. That's horrible. Yeah, it's hard. You know, you know, I feel it's hard, like, you know, to be fortunate enough to have health insurance, good health insurance. You know, some people are sick and they don't have the health insurance that they need to take care of themselves to get better. 
without losing their homes and their life. Right. Now, you've, you've gone through the, the storm, that storm, right? And Naja today. What does Naja today look like versus the Naja that was diagnosed with breast cancer? Um, today? Um, You're still smiling. You still got I still smile. smile. I still smile. I haven't lost my smile. I will say I haven't lost that. Um, today, I'm, you know, I'm better. Um, you know, like I said, I ended up with a lot of anxiety. Um, you know, most, most breast cancer survivors, cancer survivors, it's traumatic. So even after you're done, you, you're left with what next? Like what? What am I waiting for next? So you know, I you know went through a, through anxiety, and you know, I'm a big advocate for therapy. You know, I have a therapist. I talk to, to a therapist every week. You know, um, you people out there listening, she says she goes to therapy. therapy I go to therapy. I needed therapy for anxiety, and you know being fearful of my cancer coming back and having that consume me. But today I, you know, I live one day at a time, one moment at a time, you know, not looking back, not looking too far ahead and, you know, trying to stay in the moment and, right. and enjoy life and, you know, be happy. And I see my doctor every three months, my oncologist every three months to just keep, you know, eye on things and, mm -hmm. I'm, I don't take any medicine um, except when I need it for my anxiety. Right. <laughs> um, but other than that, I'm healthy and I work and I still, you know, go to the gym and exercise and enjoy my family and, you know. Mm -hmm. Now, your therapist, do you have to seek out like a special type of therapist or is it like a regular therapist? Like, how does that work for the, for the women that are listening now? Like, how does that work? Okay, well... Um, my oncologist actually put me in touch with a therapist. They have um, therapy for, they have like a lot of survivorship therapies for, for people who have gone through cancer. And so they have a lot of networks. And so I got hooked up with this network of doctors and they offer um, complimentary training for like, they gave me like eight sessions first for free. And then if I wanted to continue my treatment, which I did, um, then I start paying like $30 every week. Mm -hmm. But they have so many resources for survivors, you know, mm -hmm. pretty much in every area. Now, what would you tell the ladies that are still in the fight? Keep fighting. Um, it seems like forever, um, but it's not. It's, it's not forever. It, it goes very, it goes fast. Mm -hmm. um, stay connected to the people who love you. It's very easy to, you know, isolate and, you know, feel sorry for yourself, but mm -hmm. keep fighting and know that there are so many women, women like me and so many people who are there to uplift you and encourage you and, you know, tell, you know, tell people that they can do it, you know? Now, there is life after breast cancer. And you are a shining example. <laughs> Thank you. Do you ever speak at any, like, I'm sure there are support groups, like breast cancer survivor support groups, or there's probably breast cancer support groups. There's a group for everything. There is. Now, would you, um, would you recommend someone going to a group in the earlier stages, like in the in the beginning, yeah. I mean, I I would. But I didn't go to a group, but I think if it's helpful, if someone needs that, I say do whatever is needed to you know uplift your spirits. And sometimes it's just good to know that you're not by yourself. So I encourage you know anyone who's fighting who needs that additional support to to reach out to to network groups and also try to rest. I know it's hard to sleep when you're, when you, when you're, when, when you're diagnosed with cancer, when you're going through treatment, it's really hard to get the brain to shut down, stop thinking. Um, one of the most important things my doctor told me is to stay off the internet. Don't Google, 
<laughs> I will tell women that. diagnosing yourself. Yeah. But not even that, like once you're diagnosed or if you think something's wrong with you, and this is beyond cancer, our first reaction is to Google it. Yeah, I, yeah, I have a coworker that I had, I had to tell us, stop. Get yeah. the doctor on the I mean, internet. It will drive, the internet will drive, yes. the internet will think, pull the body bag right yeah. here. Like the internet is terrible. <laughs> it makes us like everything so... I know, like the internet is terrible. My doctor said, don't go on the internet. Don't look anything up at the internet. If you have questions, you know, ask your, ask your physician, ask your doctor. And now that's a good doctor. Yeah. She was like, don't. Yeah. You have a hangnail and think your finger falling off. (laughs) (laughs) I need my finger amputated. (laughs) It's it's crazy. Yeah. But you know, and like I had mentioned your laughter, like they say, laughter is the best medicine. And you talked about your granddaughter bringing you so much joy. You have to, it seems like you really have to embrace the happy times. You do. You got to be silly and laugh and dance and have a good time. Like it, you, you do. We would, we would clown in here. I have several videos where we'd be clowning. Well, <laughs> just you know, us, just <laughs> dancing and having fun and just shining. Yeah, those that aren't friends with you on Instagram, like <laughs> your husband be having me dying. I'll be like, crazy. He, he, be, he can tap and dance for us. So funny. Like I watch, I watch you guys. And I'm like, would you look at them? It's like. And he can't dance. So well, in his mind, he probably can. <laughs> yeah. He's having fun. <laughs> he can't that two step. Yes, always. You can't mess up with the two steps. (laughs) And it makes you happy. I'm telling I just love looking at your pictures. Um Thank you. Journey is is such an inspiration. Thank you. Do you ever speak at like a group of this is my first time speaking other than like talking to, you know, another sister who is, you know, who's been impacted with breast cancer. It's my first time speaking publicly about my journey. Well, I, I think you ought to do it. Thank you. I, do it. I think you ought to do it because it helps other women to see yeah. to see another I'm gonna say it, see another black woman. Yeah. Go through it. Like you look like me. Even though I'm much more older than you. But you look like me. And yeah. to see that you can get through that through the 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 red devil. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, putting something in is the red devil. Like, I would have probably, I think, but maybe not, crawled up and been like, okay, it's over. Yeah, it's, it's, it's I over. felt, I felt like that. You know, you feel like that, but it's like you, what do you, you, you want to live, right? So you're gonna do. So I was just like, I'm not leaving my kids. Right. I always said, if I ever got diagnosed with breast cancer, I'm not leaving my kids. I'm gonna right. do whatever it is that I'm asked to do, you know, for even, even getting rid of my breast, I'm just mm-hmm. like, take them. What else, what else you need? Does it mean I'm going to be here for my family? Like, that's all I cared about. I think, you know, that's all I cared about was living, you know, right. everything else is obsolete at that point. You know, you totally You're- had that fight. You had that fight, that fight or flight. You was fighting from before day one, because you had yeah. it in your mind, if I was ever diagnosed, what I'm going to do. But I cried. Well, absolutely. Because <laughs> I, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't imagine. Yeah. You know, getting that. Of course, you're gonna cry every day, but but then you get up and you're like, okay, it's another day, one day at a time. Yep. And you did it. Thank you. Did you. It. Um, I don't know. I mean, you don't have to go till eight. Like, is there anything? Is there anything you would like to tell someone who's going through this or someone that has beat it, you know, um, any, any words of encouragement, anything you want to tell? I would just say, um, you have my contact information and Absolutely. I'm happy to talk. You can share my information with anyone. I'm happy. If they ask, and I'm not just putting your number out there for the whole I'm happy to talk to anyone, but I feel like 
you need someone to talk to who has been through it. And, and so, you know, it's helpful. And, and I think for anyone who hasn't, you know, they've been through other things in life where they can be someone else's support system and, you know, encouragement. Um, my cousin, Lisa, she always said, you know, people who are going through stuff, they're not going to ask for anything, you know? Right. So just do something, do something nice, nice. Even if it's, even if it's, pick up the phone and check one, you know, check on them. So I just say, you know, my, my saying is, you know, keep running your race that's set before you, you know, God didn't say it was going to be easy. You know, he didn't say, you know, it would, it'd be smooth, a smooth path, you know, even if you got to, you know, I always say, even if you got to bandage up your leg a little bit and you running with a lip, just, you know, keep, you know, keep, running i love you love you too i think you're so fabulous so thank you we're going to end this tea time let me <laughs> this is so touching thank um, you anybody thanks for having me hmm? thank you for having me absolutely thank you for doing it of course thank you for doing it so much so anyone that has any questions or anything you would like to talk to Nigel, reach out to Nigel, send me a message. I'll get the message to her because I really don't feel comfortable just giving your, your information out, you know, because I don't know. You might be, I don't know, I'm just funny like that. It's it's totally fine. Okay. So, all right. So reach out to me. I'll inbox you her um, information, but I will let her know that you reached out to me. <laughs> so that is not a total surprise. That sound like a deal? Yeah. Okay. So you guys have a wonderful night. You wait a minute, Nige. You okay. guys have a wonderful night. Thank you so much for tuning in. Share this. You can watch it later when this is over with. Um, I'm on YouTube. Subscribe. Um, look out for a future shows because this is just the tip of the iceberg. So you guys have a wonderful night. Let me see. What can I do? This is a kiss. Ah! All right. Bye-bye <laughs> now.